Well, the text I have selected for today is very special for me because I believe it summarizes the reasons why I am a Christian. It is a summary of the gospel message. It's very simple and yet very powerful. It's very easy to understand, but also very easy to forget. I need to remind myself of this truth every single day. Let's look a little bit at what the prophet was saying in his original context. As you might know, Hosea is a very intense book. I recommend that you try to read it in one sitting so that you can get a general glimpse of it. It shows us God's intense love for the people of Israel. Israel's intense rebellion against her husband, the intense judgment that the Lord would bring upon the people of Israel because of their spiritual adultery, and God's intense promises of mercy that are based on his intense faithfulness. In the first three chapters, we find that God commanded Hosea to marry a wife of whoredoms. Why would the prophet do such a thing? Because God wanted Hosea's marriage to be a visible example of his relationship with Israel. Hosea was to be a very good and faithful husband, but his wife would be full of desire for other men nonetheless. What a horrible thing to think about. And yet that was exactly what Israel had done with God. Beginning in chapter 4, the prophet starts to talk about Israel's conduct in detail. And the people's rebellions were many. They had stopped worshiping the Lord in order to worship the false gods of the nations, which amounted to committing spiritual adultery. They had also perverted the true worship of God. You know, Israel, the northern kingdom, had appointed unlawful priests. They worshipped the golden calves, which may have been representations of Jehovah that clearly violated the second commandment. In chapter 6, verse 4, we read that Israel's goodness was short-lived as a morning cloud, and as the early dew, it goeth away, said the Lord. If they ever prayed, it was to use God as a means to obtain what they really wanted, which was corn and wine. They didn't cry to the Lord with their hearts. And therefore, the, the land was full of immorality and all kinds of vices. And on top of that, they had looked to foreign powers such as Egypt and Assyria for political help and, and stability. So they were acting as if they could find safety in men and military resources. So as you can see, Israel had sinned very grievously and their sin had consequences. Sin always had, has consequences both in this life and in eternity. And because of their sin, God was determined to bring judgment upon the northern kingdom. He would make them go into captivity. And this is what 
took place in 722 BC when they were captured by the Assyrians. So this is the context where we find our text. <laughs> o Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thine help. Let's look at the first part of this verse more closely. I want to emphasize the word thou. O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself. Let's stop here and ask who was responsible for all that corruption and the destruction that was coming. The Lord is saying, it is you, Israel. This is all your fault because you sinned. The Lord God Almighty is pointing his accusatory finger right into Israel's face. What a terrible thing. My dear brethren, have you ever been in a situation when you look around and, and all you see is a huge disaster? Is there anything worse than knowing that the mess is all your fault? I know that feeling. When the Holy Spirit brings conviction to a sinner, this is what he makes him see. You look at your own life and you see it is a mess. Everything, literally everything is wrong. You look at what you have become and you're ashamed. You, you realize you have polluted everything that is honorable and valuable. You hear your own words and you hate them. You see your own thoughts and you cannot bear them. They are full of iniquity. You see the sins you have committed and you can hardly believe you did that. You wish you hadn't done it, but there is nothing you can do about it now. You realize there is no undo button in your life. You come to see your failure, but that is not what hurts you the most. The most painful truth the spirit convicts you of is that all that is your fault, your fault. Your silly excuses fall apart. And, and you are left naked before the impending judgment of God, knowing full well that you have sinned because you wanted to sin and you deserve to die. You are made aware of the fact that you have indeed destroyed yourself. And this is what we experienced when the Spirit opened our eyes for the first time. But not just then. It's also what we experience in a measure when the Spirit convicts us of sin during our Christian life. We no longer experience the same kind of terror because we now trust Jesus. Even with a feeble faith, we trust him. But we still know we have sinned. My brothers and sisters, isn't it true that the Lord has to teach you and me the same lesson over and over again. One day we think we got it. The next day we are made painfully aware that we didn't. We not only advance in the Christian life, but also stumble. 
I know how painful, how painful is that? You look at the mess you made by your failure to watch, your failure to pray, your failure to learn, your failure to discern, and your failure to love the Lord, which is the most painful failure for, of all. You look at the mess and you are ashamed and you know very well it's all your fault. You realize that in a sense you have destroyed yourself. But it really breaks our hearts when we see people who are destroying themselves and don't even care. That might be happening in many churches today. I am sure you know about so-called Christian denominations such as the PCUSA and the Church of Scotland, which have fully embraced liberalism, which is apostasy. Those institutions have corrupted the true worship of Jehovah so much that they have become synagogues of Satan and are under the curse of God. Whose fault is that? It is their own fault. They are there because of their sin. But how did they get there? It wasn't overnight, my brethren. Think about the Church of Scotland. It's the same one that was started by John Knox as his contemporaries and used to be very faithful to the word of God. This degradation started very slowly because the people didn't watch, didn't pray, didn't love the Bible, didn't exercise discernment and started to tolerate heresies and sin. And I can't help to think that many conservative churches may be treading the same way to apostasy today. They may have conservative doctrine in theory, but if their heart is called towards God and passionate about this world, the doctrine, that doctrine will not stay with them for too long. They are destroying themselves and they need to wake up. And the same is true of Western society. The foundations are being destroyed. You probably don't know this, but my country, Chile, has recently allowed citizens to identify, identify themselves as non-binary people on their IDs. What craziness. How did we get here? It's all because of sin. Our own sin. And if judgment comes, it will be our fault. And what about our dear relatives who are lost? You see them going from one broken cistern to another broken cistern, trying to quench their thirst. But all they, all they find is poison. And our hearts break as we see them destroying themselves. My dear brother, my dear sister, if you look around or look at yourself apart from Christ, you will see a mess. You will see destruction. Just like the Israelites, we have destroyed ourselves by sin. And even more temporal destruction and eternal destruction will come unless there is repentance and faith in Christ. What destruction we have brought upon ourselves. Is there any hope for us? 
Oh, yes, there is. There is. What is that hope? Is it better education? Is it better politicians? Let the Lord answer that question. He says, in me is some help. In me. You know, while human beings are in rebellion against God, his justice is their biggest threat. But that same God is also their only hope. How can this God ever help a sinner who has destroyed himself by sin? Well, it is because, because God took on flesh and came to this world to save sinners. Jesus Christ, the God-man, obeyed the law perfectly. He went to the cross to die. And on that cross, the Father poured down his righteous wrath and indignation upon him. That destruction that we deserved. So that his people, the ones that trust in him by sheer grace, will have everlasting life for free. That is the gospel. I destroyed myself by sin. But the same Jesus I sinned so much against came to the world to save me because he loved me. What a savior, what grace. And he continues to save us. My dear brother, he continue to, continues to save us. We are saved from sin's guilt and condemnation once, once and for all, but he's still saving us from sin's power. So when you and I know we have rocked the boat again, we should go to him yet again. And in him, not in our own strength, we will find the help we need to keep growing in him. He is our only help. And he is also the only help for those sleepy churches that are on their way to apostasy. Their only help, hope is that he himself will move and wake them up. And he's the only hope for our society. The Lord has done wonderful things recently, such as the overturn of Roe v. Wade. But dear brethren, that is not enough. Our nations are still full of murderers at heart. What is our hope then? It is that he himself will pour down his spirit and make us truly Christian nations. He's the only hope for our lost relatives. They will keep on sinning unless he opens their eyes and changes their heart. And that is why we are here. As Brother Terrell prayed the other day, we honestly don't have anywhere else to go. We need revival. We need the help that comes from God alone. That's why we pray. So let's seek the face of God, who is our only help. Amen.